If you're not here today, you're missing something very special. In the front row, we have Ms. Ruth Kilcup from uh, years ago. She was one of the Rebuilders leaders. She encouraged many, many ladies to be here. When she walked in this morning, she said, there is still a remnant. We are the remnant, right? And singing this story, this uh, verse this morning, this blessed assurance, this is my story. This is your story. Being here at Christown is part of our story and how God reaches us and changes us and softens us and draws us. And so many of us have found that here at Christown. And we also have Carol Jones. Good morning. Good morning. I did. did somebody get pictures of this front row here and Joni's here? Oh my gosh. It is so great to have the ladies who've kept this ministry going through all the years. So thank you for being here. So I was trying to get over crying. <laughs> ah, excuse me. That was quite emotional. <laughs> oh. So welcome to spring 2023 of Christown Women's Bible Study. We are so blessed to have you here, to have you on Zoom, and uh, just so very thankful to start in the year. We are a Titus II ministry. The ones, I don't think there's anybody brand new today, and you know what a Titus II ministry is. It's the older women, hello, teaching the younger women to love the Lord their God, to love their husbands, to love their children, and all that verse, to the keepers of the home, to be kind and good, and to obey their own husbands, and to practice self-control. So as you can imagine, that's a full-time job, and that's probably why this place has been around for, what, 64 years? It takes a lifetime, right? It's constant battle. I've been in the battle all these years, and thank you for those of you who are keeping up the battle, and we hear from ladies all the time you know, currently and from the past, how much Christown has meant to them and how much uh, it has changed them. And in, in, um, in return has changed their family and their relationships with their husbands and their children. So this is a very worthwhile place to come. Bring your friends, ladies, bring your friends, send them a Zoom link. Got some calls and emails yesterday, people asking about us. So get the word out. So let's see, let's get started. So, uh, you know what January is every year? It is National Get Organized Month. What do you think about that? Do you love to organize? I do. You make your three piles, the stuff you keep that's good stuff, the stuff that's bad and you get rid of because it's ruined or junky or whatever, and then the stuff uh, you want to gift to somebody else. I love organizing. So um, I had noticed that our clothes closet was getting to be a real mess. And it had kind of spread out over the guest bedrooms and it was kind of a mish of rosy stuff in mine. And um, he went away for a five day quail hunt. So what did I do? I pulled it all out and I put it, I did my sorting and I put it all back together. And it, I just keep walking by my closet to look at it. It's so great. It had gotten so bad. He was always asking me, where's this or where's that? So it's really, it really feels great. The funny thing is though, so I took him in the closet and he got back. I said, now look at this. You don't have to look for anything. Everything of yours is on the top. Here's your undershirts. Here's your outdoor shirts. Here's your outdoor, you know, your workout pants. Here's your dress shirts and here's your jeans. Just like that, all the way across. And here's your belts. Doesn't have to even step out of the closet. I, to me, it makes so much sense. And in the past, his jeans were always on the top coming in. I'm sorry, they were always on the bottom coming in and now they're on the top. So I, I took the bottom and my jeans. So now our jeans are swapped, right? But I showed him, look, all your stuff is on the top. So the first day back, 
I get a text from him, I've already left for the day. Well, after trying on three pairs of your pants, <laughs> I finally found one and I'm good to go for the day. So, but I do have a word of advice and caution. Do not throw anything of his away. So I didn't, I have learned that in the past, no matter how awful it is to me, I have a, a smaller closet and I put everything in there and I, I kept it hung up and I just said, hey, when you have time, you know, if you're looking for something you don't reckon, you know, that you really feel like you need, it's in there. Just don't throw it away. But it was so funny when I got that text. I'm like, oh, wait. okay, I moved his cheese. It was hard on him. Sorry, but I love it. So, you know, that's kind of a traditional thing to talk about in January is getting organized. And I think as Christian women, what we need to get organized is our interior and our spiritual life. So we're going to spend some time this morning on a journey through um, organizing our spiritual house cleaning it out um and you know you ladies are you are the remnant and you are in my mind and my heart the cream of the crop and you are teachable and you listen and you act upon um you know and i would have to say many many of the things that are out there today are just meant to kind of tickle you and encourage you and make you feel good but I'm sorry, that's not why I'm here today. <laughs> yeah, so we're not gonna, I'm not gonna be too easy on you, but um, God loves you and there is hope. And um, just want you to listen with an open heart today. So let's just start in prayer. Dearest Jesus, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the, um, the gift, Lord, of longtime friends, of like minded hearts, of all the ladies who've come out today and all the ladies who have taken time to sign in on Zoom. We just thank you for each and every one. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be open-minded, to open our hearts, to be free of distraction, Lord, and to know that the most important thing in our lives is to glorify you. Speak to our hearts this day, in Jesus' name, amen. So this whole semester, we've been going through Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit. What is the fruits of the Spirit? Sir, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self oh, gentleness, and self-control. Those are some beautiful fruits, aren't they? We don't always have those in our life. And actually, we're not even capable of making those fruits or growing those fruits ourselves. So we need the Holy Spirit. And if you need a, a full lesson of the Holy Spirit, go back to the beginning of fall semester. We have that um, for you. But I just wanted to review for a minute, you know, God did not, Jesus did not leave us here alone. He left us the Holy Spirit and he's with us every minute of every day. And we have in him everything that we need to produce fruit. We do not have it in ourselves. We have it in the Holy Spirit. So with the Holy Spirit, fruit in our life. Without the Spirit, rotten fruit. Or maybe no fruit at all. So we're going to go through today how to recognize the difference between the good fruit and the bad fruit. But let's spend a minute just talking about the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to read through them. I don't really need to comment too much because the word of God is alive and powerful and it should speak to your heart. Ephesians 4.30 talks about the sealing of God's spirit. He seals us in his family. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He's the one that protects your salvation. Christ died for us on the cross to pay for our sins. And if we believe in that and accept the Lord Jesus as our Savior, 
our Lord and Savior and confess our sins, we are sealed into the family of God forever, for eternity. And that is the Holy Spirit's um, job. That's what he does for us. And in John 14, 16, John, if you read through the book of John, um, starting probably about chapter 14, you will just see so much good information on the Holy Spirit. And John was really, she wanted us to remember these things. Um, and Jesus is saying about the spirit, he says, and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Jesus said, it's, you know, his disciples were sad. He's talking about going away. They don't really get it. What do you mean? You're going to go to hell? You know, I don't get all this. And Jesus says, don't worry. I'm going to, I'm going to leave you somebody that's even better than I am. The Holy spirit, I'll leave you this helper. You're not going to be alone. And then John 14, 17, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what do we know about God? He is holy, right? And he cannot have fellowship with sin. So when we're saved, God cleanses us. He makes us a new creature. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And that's for eternity. But there is a temporal also availability of Christ. If we're a believer and we're in this world and we're sinning, we do not have the Holy Spirit at that moment. But we can restore that. And what does he say? First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So if we find ourselves, hey, I'm, you know, I'm gossipy or I'm angry or whatever I'm struggling with. I can know those are not God's fruit, so I need to pray and confess, and I will have that Holy Spirit again. He never leaves you. You can't lose your salvation. This is the temporal walk we have with the Lord, but he cannot stay in us in this ongoing relationship if we're choosing sin. And then John 14, 26, he brings the word of God to our mind, so we don't need to worry. You know, if we know the word, which is one more reason to get that word in your heart. Thank you, Carol Mason memorize it, get it in your heart, know it so that God can bring it to mind. The Holy Spirit, it says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. Brings it to mind. Aren't you thankful? You know, when you do something, when you sin, don't you all, as a believer, you should know right away. You know, you should have instant conviction. That's God, the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Gives testimony to the truth. You know, we're going to be talking next week about good and good in the world's economy and good in God's economy. And, and, you know, how do we know what's really good? Because the spirit testifies. You should be able to weed those things out. You should be able to discern from a worldview. Um, John 16, 13. He guides us. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. How could we possibly go wrong with that kind of support with that, with a God who's willing to live with us, walk beside us, protect us, keep us in his fold. We have no excuse, do we? <laughs> Except that we are sinners and we don't have a choice. I mean, we do have a choice, but I mean, we cannot not sin. That's wired into us. So our choice is to obey the Lord, know his word, stay close to the Holy Spirit and walk that out. 
So you might ask yourself, you know, how do I know when I'm in the spirit and when I'm not? Well, a couple of things to consider. Um, you know, first of all, this is kingdom business. This is for those of us who are believers. If you're not, see somebody sitting next to you or on Zoom, give one of us a call or an email. But without the Holy Spirit, this really is just talk. This is a spiritual dimension that God offers his children. It's the difference between the spirit thinking and secular or world thinking. So my choice is to obey or disobey, but we are kingdom daughters. We're daughters of a king. And he has things that he expects of us. So a couple of things to think of. We can't be outside his commands of scripture and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we can't be actively involved in sin and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is really key in this world right now, in this progressive climate that we're in. It doesn't matter how something feels. It's not the gauge of if something is right or wrong. You know, um, sexual sin is, a, is, is just rampant, and there just doesn't seem to be uh, a lot of conscience about what someone chooses in that area because it doesn't matter as long as it feels good to you. Is it what you want, you know, as opposed to what God wants? So um, we need to encourage each other in that. You know, I, I'm just heartbroken. I know so many... Um, Christian women who, because they've been married once and widowed or divorced, think it's okay to proceed in a relationship without the covenant. And you cannot do that. God says sex outside of marriage is sin. It doesn't matter if you've been married before. And of course, living together, it's not even, nobody bats an eye. So, and this isn't just God being approved. This is God knowing how we're built and what, what is best for us. And what's the best protection for women? God loves women. And those things are built in for our protection. And if we continue in sin, when we realize, when we're convicted, when someone says something to us and, we, and the light comes on, we have a choice. We confess it or we continue on. And if we continue on, our hearts grow hard. And the harder your heart is, the harder it is to come back out. So just remember that you're playing with fire if you're playing with sin. And somehow gently and firmly, we need to teach that to our children. So, we're going to go through on your paper, those two columns there, good fruit and bad fruit. I'm just going to kind of look at things, kind of contrast the heart of Jesus with the heart of a Pharisee. Everybody, eyes in. <laughs> Don't be thinking about your husband. Don't be thinking about your friends. <laughs> eyes in. This is, um, this is a matter of the heart, our heart. Okay. So um, the heart of Jesus as we know, is Galatians 5. It produces fruit. God tells us to love the Lord our God with all our heart and our mind and our soul <laughs> and to love our neighbors as ourselves. He wants us to trust and obey his word and he wants a vertical relationship, eyes on him. But that, then there's also the heart of the Pharisee. And what do we know about the Pharisees? Well, if you go and put it for yourself a little homework, look through Matthew 23, at what the Pharisees were. They were a sect, a religious sect, who were who loved obeying the law, and but they also loved adding to the law to the point where it was so complicated, nobody could keep it. Not that any of us could keep the law anyway, so they made it even worse. Uh, it's on steroids. And then um, they also wanted people to see them and adore them. They were looking for glory for themselves. So if I have the heart of Jesus, I want God to be glorified. The heart of a Pharisee wants self 
to be glorified. So let that sink in for just a second. The Pharisees' eyes are horizontal. I'm worried about what you're thinking about me. I'm worried about you know, what others think. I'm worried about what I want. It's horizontal. I just want to look good in man's eyes. So how do we know? Well, motivation is one thing, you know. Uh, sometimes things can look the same on the outside. You know, what is my motivation for something? What is my motivation for, you know, everyday lives for moms, homeschooling? Or, um, you know, going to work or fixing dinners. What, are my, what is my motivation? Is it to please others or is it to please God? God knows it will be much happier if we focus on pleasing him. Um, and then on the Pharisee side, it may look the same, but it's outward and it's self-serving. And in Matthew 6, 18, you know what Jesus says? He said, you know what? You shouldn't be telling other people that, you know, bragging about the good things that you do or trying to get attention or constantly posting on social media, what a great person you are. Um, he said, you shouldn't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's between you and me that we want to be glorified. I do think that's part of the big uh, reason that social media is so acceptable, uh, so prominent, um, is because it's about me. And I'm not, if you're on site Facebook, that's awesome. You know, I have to be for work and I check in, I stalk all of you. I know which ones of you are. And I love your posts. I love seeing about your families. But you know what I'm talking about. These, I think the young kids, especially, you know, they get a lot of, it's like an addiction. They get a lot of endorphins from putting things out there and getting likes. And it's very, it draws them in. And it all becomes so very selfish, you know, ask your kids, ask your grandkids, you know, where are you serving? What are you doing for something else for anybody else? So we'll get to that. And then the heart of Jesus hates sin and works to protect um, the heart from pride. I love David in this, in this, in these thoughts when I'm thinking about my heart. What does he say to, um, to God? He says, search me. This is in Psalm 139, uh, 23. Search me and know my heart. He's asking God, look, look, what's in there? Get it out. You know, cleanse me. Lead me in the everlasting way. He's asking God, cleanse me. Open me up. Lead me your way. But the heart of the Pharisee hides. He doesn't want to show God what's going on in there. As if we can hide from God. But we do, don't we? We try to hide things from others. We try to hide things from God. We're not really interested in what he wants to say. You know, this is this little part is mine, and you can't have it. And I think one time, one way we can know is how we react to others um, when we when we're confronted. Okay, so um, when someone says to you, um, you know, I think you shouldn't have done that. Are you defensive? Well, you should have seen what he done, did to me. You know, do we push back? That goes all the way back to the garden. She did it. He did it. And pointing the fingers at each other. That's sin. That's hiding sin. Do we do that? We do that. You know, we talk about the fact that God has given us our husbands as protector and priest. You hear that word priest? But who's the last person we want correcting us, honestly? Our husband. You don't know. You don't know. What do you know? Well, I see how you are. You know, we, we find all kinds of excuses why we don't have to listen, but we need to have that open heart. And that takes the spirit. 
to be able to take criticism without being defensive. That defensive thing should be warning number one. If you have an excuse when someone confronts anybody, your boss, your husband, your friend, your kid, if you have an excuse, you can be pretty sure the Spirit's not with you right that moment. You need to confess. Lord, show me. You know, Open my eyes. What can I change? How can I be more like you? How can I glorify? I have some verses on there too for you to look at. I wasn't going to read through all of them, um, but there are good ones on there. So when we have when we have sin, we um, uh, we acknowledge it and confess that we don't try to hide it. You know, uh, the other thing the other thing about that defensiveness, you know, we start pointing out the law or the speck in your eye when we got this big old honking thing in ours, right? Just we want the attention off ourselves. And we also know that Jesus tells us that beauty comes from the inside. We love beautiful things, don't we? We love to be beautiful. God says that's not what makes you beautiful. In 2 Timothy 2.8, that's where it talks about, hey, don't just adorn yourself with braided hair and gold jewelry and nice clothes, because then what am I doing? I'm trying to, I'm going horizontal. I want you to think I look good. But if I care about God, I know that beauty comes from the inside. That means a pure heart. It means a heart with tons of fruit. In, in, the, in Matthew 23, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, on the Pharisee side of fruit, um, he talks about the fact, hey, you Pharisees, you're like whitewashed tombs. You know, you're dead inside, but you look all nice and clean on the outside. What are we hiding on the inside, ladies? Aren't you thankful your thoughts aren't like public? Like it doesn't like scroll across your head. <laughs> I have to hide mine all the time. I have to wear a hat. I am thankful that nobody can see my thoughts. Because sometimes they're not very nice. But God can. He never does it. He knows what I think before I even think it. Right? And I think the most, one of the things that's so important about having a heart like Jesus is having a teachable spirit. You should be like clay in God's hands. Moldable teachable, willing to change, and merciful. In Psalm 19, 14, David says, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. Pharisee's heart is resistant. It refuses to listen. And as we said a minute ago, the longer we stay away from the Lord, the harder it gets to come back. So why is all this so important? Because this is the root Right? Our heart is the root. It's where everything comes from. Everything else is extra. But God cares about our inner person, the inner person of the heart. It matters with our relationship with God. It matters with our relationship with our husband and our children and our ministry and those that are lost. Sometimes it's really hard to see ourselves. I, <laughs> Rosie always uh, fixes me dinner on Wednesday night if he's home. And he was cooking last night and I I looked at it and he goes, what are you thinking? I said, well, I just wonder sometimes how I'm doing. You know, like, do you think, wow, I wish she would practice what she preaches? And he kind of looked at me and said, well, I never said anything that would make you think that. I said, I know, but I just wonder, you know, do I not see myself? And he said, that's not for me. So that's because you're teaching. And if you're a teacher, that's what you should always be thinking is, am I, am I living what I teach, you know? Sometimes that's really hard to see in ourselves because we can really buy into our own stuff. And sometimes we don't even know where things come from. And the enemy really wants us confused. He doesn't want us to have a straight line. He doesn't want things to be clear. He wants to muddy the water. 
know, he's, God says the in, your enemy, uh, Satan, prowls around like a lion seeking to devour and destroy. Look at that. We are a remnant, ladies. What do we have? How many on Zoom, Didi? Like 12, and probably another 12 in here. Let's say there's you know, 25 of us. Everybody needs God's word. Every woman needs this. And as women, we can get so interested in Bible study. Isn't it fun to go to Bible study? I love knowledge. We all love knowledge. I have another Bible study I'm taking, and I try to share it with Rosie. He's like, whatever. Not that he doesn't love the Lord, but it's like, I love all that stuff, you know? But this is where it matters, is how it's coming out in my family. Just to know the word, to be knowing the word. Well, what's your fruit, right? Um, also, another thing to think about is your family of origin. You know, you, um, you may have ways that you behave and you don't know where they came from and you can't figure out the really hard things to break or hard habits to break. Um, I have found that in my life. But when I think back, I had two very different sets of grandparents. My, grand, my maternal grandmother, she loved the Lord. She prayed for me. She sent me tracts. She taught me the Psalms, uh, Psalm 23 when I was like eighth grade. She, um, you know, she, we didn't live close to her, but I knew that she was there for me. On the other side, uh, my great-grandma was uh, probably the most vicious person I've ever known. She was hateful. She was unkind. She was manipulative. She was hurtful and she loved playing favorites. And then my grandmother was a little better. And then my dad was a little better, but not till he was like in his 60s. He didn't come to the Lord till he was in his 60s. So all that had been passed in. And then I became a believer when I was 20. And then Rosie's family came from uh, a, a religious background, but not necessarily believers. And then, um, you know, much more other stuff, you know, but they're much more example of a healthy family. And so, you know, you just kind of watch your family and what God does through generations. And those generational sins are really hard to break. And it does take the spirit. And, he, and it's, it does, not that we should look back and never blame anybody. You know, I don't blame my great-grandma. I feel sorry that she lived her life like that. And that her great-granddaughter has not one nice thing to say about her. No one. What do we want to leave behind, ladies? So think about that as you're thinking about the things that you struggle with when you have a, when you see that Pharisee side kick up or when you have things that just keep coming up over and over again, think back, you know, look, maybe there's something bigger, you know, you really need to pray about. So I want to encourage you ladies to really pray, stay in his word, personalize it. You know, when you see something, you know, it's, you know, maybe you're saying you're struggling with anger, right? I think that's pretty common when you're young and there's so much going on and the kids are so bad sometimes. And it's hard not to lose your temper. And, uh, but when you find a verse that, you know, find a verse that really encourages you, encourages you, and then put your name in and read it to yourself as if God was talking specifically to you. Jennifer, do not be angry. Jennifer, slow down. Jennifer, put your name on it and think of it as him speaking to you. Don't let things fester, especially between you and your husband. Practice self-control. You know, self-control takes um, inner, inner talk, you know, talk yourself off the cliff. You know, I know um, I'm usually pretty good at beating myself up, <laughs> but I have noticed over the years, as I'm here longer, 
I understand self-control more. You know, I can get so mad at my sweet husband that you guys can't imagine that he would ever do anything wrong. But um, he doesn't really, it just gets under my skin sometimes. But I know that I can have a different perspective. I can take God's perspective. I can take on the heart of Jesus instead of the heart of Jennifer. You know, do any of us think we're not Pharisees? Has anybody gotten out of this lesson that they don't struggle or that they're not a Pharisee? We, if we're looking inside, we are all Pharisees. We all have a heart that is not like his. So practice that talking to yourself. No, he's not, he's not being ugly. No, he didn't do that intentionally. You know, be generous in our opinions. Sometimes it may be harder or worse, but we can still think the best of. Look for the best case scenario. Have you ever thought that God gave you your husband? He tells us he gives goes to us as priests, but you need that husband. You need those struggles. That is your guy. That is your story. He's yours and you are his. What a wonderful thing. Is it easy? No. Do I love him like crazy every day? Yes. Do I like him like crazy every day? Not always. It's two people with all these different things that come together, trying to get along together in one house, with children and all the dilemmas of life. And I can talk to myself. I don't have to buy into myself. If I'm really struggling and I just can't see it, I can call a good friend who's like-minded, who loves Jesus like I do. That can talk me off the cliff. I don't need to go to someone who just tells me, you know, well, he, he, well, he needs to get his act together. Maybe he does, but I don't need to hear somebody else tell me that. So that's what we're here for is for each other. So ladies, my lesson went pretty quick this morning. I do have something I'd like to read together. On the back of your, on your back page of your lesson, I thought this would be a good closing for today. I'll lead it and you guys can just read along with me, okay? And ladies, you'll see it too if you scroll down to the bottom of the page. This is the prayer known as the prayer of St. Patrick or Christ be with me. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ where I lie. Christ where I sit. Christ where I arise. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks to me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Christ. May your salvation, Lord, be ever with us. Is that precious? He holds us up, ladies. We don't have to do this alone. We have his Holy Spirit. We have his word. We have each other. And I just think y'all are the best remnant I know. Let's pray. Dearest Jesus, we just thank you for this time together today. As we start the new year, Lord, I just pray that you would help us to seek a heart like yours. Help us, Lord, to see the other, but not to stay there. Help us to see that heart that wants to act like a Pharisee, Lord, that wants to be better than, that wants to point the finger, that wants to blame and accuse and deny, Lord. That is on the side of Satan, Lord. We want to be on the side of Jesus. Lord, what a wonderful gift you have given us in your Holy Spirit, who holds us up from behind and before and underneath, and for now and for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen.